Thank you, Clarence. That is a song that needs to be sung more often in this day and age. We live in this day and age where uh, we have a lot to fear about. Some of the areas that we have grave concern is in the areas of our children and our grandchildren. We live in a day and age when we feel the tragedy within our families of members abusing alcohol. It's not on, is it? Okay. I got to redo something here. While I'm doing this, did you know today was a celebration? Can I say how many years, Henry? Is it today? Today's their anniversary, Henry and Vera. Am I right? Am I supposed to say that number? 61 years. <laughs> 61 years. Lord blesses. You know, that's a, a major feat in this day and age where marriages seem to be disposable and they tend not to last long. So when you hear of a marriage that lasts that many years, that's something to celebrate. It just seems like last year it was your 60th that you was celebrating. <laughs> Waiting for the computer to come up. Gene and I are traveling starting tomorrow up to Washington. We want to get up there before the snow flies to be able to see our grandsons and to spend a little time with them. So we're going to be gone for a while. Jean's going to be gone for quite a while. She's going to stay up for a while. And uh, I'll have to fly back. So pray for us while we're gone. And we'll pray for you. Computers are supposed to be fast, aren't they? Tell you want them to be. Here we go. Okay. What's going on? Here it is. You are a defenseless Christian when you don't have power. It always helps to plug things in. As I was saying, family members, we have family members now that are abusing alcohol and drugs. All kinds of, many of us are, are plagued in our families with this. I guess what really bothers us even more it's bad enough when they're hooked on these things, but when they begin to say something like, 
when I get high, I can block out all my problems. And I've seen family members and I've seen friends that had to stay high all the time because the problems are always there. And then they get hooked on these things. What they're really trying to do is they're trying to divorce themselves from reality. But reality usually hits. And their life is destroyed. And that's what bothers us so much. Is that we know in Christ they could have a better life. But they don't seem to want to follow that direction. They'd rather end up like this. Well, they don't think that they would. They think that happens to other people and would never happen to them. And then we as family members, we, we get frustrated. We, we get upset at their pessimistic, pessimistic attitude and their refusal to listen to any type of, of reason especially if it includes the spiritual. What makes things worse is that we, you and me, who don't get hooked on drugs or alcohol, you know what? Sometimes we're not any better than these guys. We may not be passed out, but we tend to view life and we kind of give up on hope. We lose hope. And it's easy to do in this world today. Our, our natural optimism has failed. We tend to look at everything in a negative manner. Used to be a long time ago, People, when they, get, when they began to lose hope, all they had to do was to pack up a few belongings, climb on a ship, and go to a new country, and then create a new world. We ran out of new countries. We can't escape now. Our great frontier is gone. We can't get away from people. They're around us constantly. They're influences around us. And, and we can't run from our problems anymore. Our world is getting smaller and smaller and our problems are getting larger and larger. Jesus kind of sums it up this way in Luke 21, verse 26. Men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Men's hearts are failing them because of fear. Just seeing the things around them is, is just striking fear into their hearts. And when you have fear coming into your heart, you give up hope. If you remember last week on our Religious Liberty campaign with Lincoln Steed, he said that Christians, because of the fear of persecution which is going on in the world today, in all countries, 
are causing them to do one of two things. They either go to one extreme or the other. They either do nothing. I don't want to upset anyone to bother them. Or they go to another extreme and they take up their arms and they want to fight for their rights. But it still boils down to the same thing. They're still afraid. We have consciously and sometimes unconsciously placed man-made barriers before us to protect us. We have come to rely on man-made things to give to us happiness and hope. And they're failing us now. We think something like this is going to stop persecution from taking place. Or I think of uh, the people in Japan who built this high seawall thinking that if there was ever a tsunami that it would never hit them. But they didn't realize that when the earthquake hit, that seawall dropped and the tsunami came crashing over the top of them where they thought they were safe. We can't rely upon man-made things to give to us hope. And because of that, because these things are failing us, we want to give up. We're afraid. When we do that, there's basically three things happening within our lives. We either become suspicious or we have hate or we have fear. We seems like we're always suspicion what other people do. You have somebody call you on the phone and they say, have we got a deal for you? And you, you say, usually rightly so, what's the catch? The suspicion is there. And then we have this thing called hatred. If someone doesn't believe quite the way we believe, then we've got to hate them. Or we're just basically afraid of everything and we lock our doors many times. Mankind is very good at constructing things. We build big, fancy buildings. We can fly in very fancy jets across the sky in no time. We have the fanciest cars to drive, the super highways to drive on. We can create all those things, but we're incapable of creating a place where everybody can live together in harmony. And so we live in fear. Many turn to liquor, narcotics, and immorality as a way of escape. Fear keeps us from hoping for a better day because we think the next day is probably going to be worse than it is today. We try to rely upon our own power to be able to protect us 
and it doesn't work. So we live in fear. And Jesus makes a bold statement in Luke 18, verse 8. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Why does he use this word faith? Because he realizes that people of faith have hope. People without faith loses all hope. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and in verse 13. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If everything fails in life around you, if family members are failing, if you're losing hope, if you're so full of fear, what is saying here is the hope is the coming of Jesus. Don't lose sight of that hope. The New Testament relates the word hope always with the second coming of Jesus. Look at John 14, verse 3. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I've got to accept that by faith and live in hope that that's a reality. Why should I live in that hope as a reality? Is because the Bible says that Jesus doesn't lie. And if he doesn't lie, that it must be a reality and should spring hope within my heart. John 5, verses 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Listen to me. If I, for some reason or other, was to die today, if I die in faith and in hope, Jesus says he's going to resurrect me. It isn't the end. I've got to hold on to that hope. This lack of hope is what literally kills us. I think of a lady who was, had terminal cancer. She was in hospice. The hospice nurse called me up and says, I think she's living in her final moments. Could you please come over? I went over there and I'm standing next to her bed with her husband. Now, she, all her life, had been a Seventh-day Adventist. Her husband was not. She always had the hope in her heart that someday he would become a church member. 
And I knew that. Many times she told me that. She says, I live day to day with the hope that sometime he would become a church member. And so there we're standing next to her bed. And I said to her husband, I said, you know, your wife has always heard. You, you, you know about the church. You know about he's been through many revelation seminars and all kinds of evangelistic series and everything else. You know the doctrine. It's not the doctrine. What she would like to hear from you is that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can you do that right now? Now, even though her eyes are closed, she's near death, I know the hearing is the last to go. And I can almost anticipate that her ears were turning, tuning in on her husband and his answer. And he hesitated for a while. He looked at me, and he looked at her, and he looked back at me, and he said, I can't do it. Within a minute after those words, she died. Hope was gone. Hope, the lack of hope can literally cause you to give up on life. Brothers and sisters, I've got to die. If I die, I want to die in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's often called many things in the Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us that the second coming of Jesus is the blessed hope. It's the hope of glory. It is the hope of eternal life. Let me give you a crude illustration. Around our world we have an atmosphere. Praise God, we've got an atmosphere. If we were any closer to the sun or any farther away, our atmosphere would be totally different. But it's based on the temperature and the chemicals and everything else we have in this, act, in this atmosphere, we have the oxygen that we can breathe. Can't breathe too hard in this area. The smog might get us, but there still is oxygen. We need that oxygen for life. What oxygen is to our lungs is what hope is to our eternal life. If you take away the oxygen or even lower it more from the atmosphere, it causes us to gasp for air. We feel like we can't get enough air. And we begin to suffocate. That's what happens to our spiritual life when we lose hope in the second coming of Jesus. We begin to spiritually suffocate. So the fate of humanity is dependent upon the hope of the promise that Jesus says that he's prepared a plate for us. He will come again. Even if I die, I can be resurrected. Now that's not saying that the second coming is pie-in-the-sky experience. And it's just a way to take away our problems. Yes, we do have problems. But that hope in the soon coming of Jesus affects everything that we do.
Hope helps us to reach out by faith on every word of our Lord and Savior. Hope grasps a hold of the promise of the Holy Spirit to be able to not only forgive me, but to change my life from all unrighteousness. Hope is faith in Jesus. And what I want to do is I see the world around me drowning out of fear, flailing because they have no hope, trying to create their own world, whether it's with alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, to try to forget the problems And I need the power of the Spirit to be able to help them with the answer that I know is there. That's the hope in Jesus. So I need to seek the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to have courage to share this hope with others. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work. You see, that hope has to change me, but when it changes me and I have the hope in the second coming, then it's preparing me to do a blessed, glorious work for the Lord. Folks, we just can't sit in a pew and do nothing. He, By hope, He's preparing us to do something to help a world that sees no hope. But how are they going to know where this answer is going to come from if God's people doesn't give it to them. Dr. C. Groski was one of my professors back in college. He's retired now. He's attended church here, by the way. He lives in Loma Linda. Tremendous man. I have a lot of respect for Elder Roski. One of the classes he taught in, in college... Um, and it wasn't a re- it was a required class eventually, but when he started it, it wasn't required at first. And that was called the Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ. Special class. Every student, no matter what your major, had to take this class. The only textbooks, two textbooks, the Bible and Desire of Ages. And he would do most of his teaching from the Bible, and then we would have to read the corresponding things that he would talk about from the Desire of Ages. So he got us into the Bible and into the spirit of prophecy both. One of the things that he wanted to get across to the students is to put that that Jesus was real and to put their faith in a real God that actually lived here on this earth and is very concerned about him. 
And we know that he's real. We know that this isn't just a make-believe fairy tale because we have seen throughout history where God has led the people of Israel with fire by night and a cloud during the day. He was leading them to a better land. And it's a mini thing to be able to help us to realize that he's wanting to lead us to a better land as well too, what we call heaven. It wasn't a coincidence when Jesus was born. It was predicted way before he was ever born of when he was going to be born, the city he was going to be born in, and even the fact that his mother would be a virgin. The Old Testament prophets predicted these things to give people hope when he was born. God carries out his plans right down to the minutest detail. And all of these things, you could go through all these things that, that were there, even the, the story that we had about Abraham and Isaac, is to give to us hope that what God says he w- will do, he will accomplish in our lives. And then it comes down then when I realize that God has been leading all through these centuries and we've been seeing these things, and when He says that He's going to come again, aha, it's got to be true. All the others has happened. There's been this age-long warfare between good and evil, and He says that warfare will come to an end. Now, we're right in the midst of it right now, but it will come to an end. That should give us hope. So that we can go through our rough times within our lives. It's based on faith. Faith that God has always been in control will continue to carry out His plan right on schedule and not even the devil himself can hinder it. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. We look at the things that are happening in the governments here and overseas and everything else. What it's saying here is, don't worry. God's in control. They may look like they're falling to pieces. It looks like the economy is falling to pieces. It looks like everything is happening. It looks like it's all going to turn on us. It looks like we're going to fall. It looks like we're not going to be able to get through. Our problems are crashing upon us. Listen, God is in control. He controls the governments. He controls all things. He controls your life if you let Him. You've got to have hope. The things that we fear the most right now will pass away. If we're worried about a one-world government or laws or, that are going to be passed to persecute God's people, quit worrying. Jesus is coming. And His kingdom will last forever and ever. We have to seek hope in the midst of a dark, scary world. And that hope only comes through Scripture. 
do have a hope that burns within our heart. And that hope is in the coming of the Lord. Hymn number 214. and sing our closing hymn number 214. Let's sing it because we mean it. people it may seem like fun to go out and have a good time with the alcohol and with the drugs if you think being passed out in your own vomit is a good time you've got a problem we think just because the other people are doing it that makes it right it doesn't make it right The Lord Jesus Christ gave up his life that you might have life. If you try to find it in any other thing, you're throwing away his precious gift. Lord, forgive us for our lack of hope and faith. When you come, we pray that you will find faith in this group here this morning. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.